Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Hey, happy Easter, everyone. You know, some things in life that happen can change everything. It was on the 9th of January 2007 that Steve Jobs walked onto the stage to a packed auditorium to launch the new revolutionary product from Apple. He said this, this is a day that I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. Every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. And he talked about how Apple had done that before. You know, in, 2000, sorry, in, in uh, 1984, the Macintosh computer, and in 2001, the first iPod. In fact, he said this, it didn't just change the way that we listen to music, it changed the entire music industry. And today, we're introducing the revolutionary, three revolutionary products in this class. The widescreen iPod with touch controls, revolutionary mobile phone, and the breakthrough internet communications device. The iPod, the phone, the internet communicator. The iPod, the phone. He said, are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This is one device, and we're calling it iPhone. Today, Apple is going to reinvent the phone. And he was right. The iPhone changed everything in the telecommunications world. I mean, to think that now, a few years on, I can watch live TV and listen to any song ever recorded. I can take high-quality photos and store those photos, watch films, make films, do emails, send texts, and at a time when we're asked to stay at home and not visit family and friends, to see and talk with family via Zoom or house party, Skype, Teams, it's incredible. And it's all at the touch of a finger on an iPhone. (laughs) Steve Jobs made a big claim, and he was right. The iPhone changed everything. Now... Today is Easter Sunday and we celebrate not a product, but an event that literally changed everything. You see, during his life, Jesus had predicted several times what would happen to him. He said this, the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and he will be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. Now, lots of people had suffered terrible things. Many people had been rejected and and, and many had been killed, but no one had beaten death. This was a big claim, a ridiculous claim, an unbelievable claim. And sure enough, the disciples didn't quite get it either. So when Jesus was arrested, his followers ran. And when he was taken to be crucified and when he died, all their hopes died too. Jesus was taken down from the cross and was buried in a borrowed grave. And as the huge stone was rolled in front of the grave and sealed, that was it. It was closing the door on the adventure with Jesus. It was good while it was lasted, but it's all done now. The Messiah, the hoped-for one, was dead. And Luke finishes chapter 23 with darkness and everyone going back to their homes. 
And the next chapter, the final chapter, starts with a but. But very early on Sunday morning, in other words, something was stirring. Some followers of Jesus, women, went to the tomb to lay spices on the body. It was part of their cultural tradition. But they knew that they would encounter a problem. You see, the stone was going to be blocking the entrance. But when they arrived, the stone had been rolled away. And they met two men. The Bible describes them as clothed in dazzling robes. And they said this, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Messiah must be betrayed into the power of evil men and then be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And then they remembered that he'd said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples, and in fact everyone else, what had happened. You see, nobody expected nobody. Nobody expected the tomb to be empty. And over the next few weeks, over 500 people saw Jesus. They spoke with him. They, they walked with him. They ate with him. They had breakfast cooked by him. Even Thomas touched him. This Jesus who was crucified and buried was alive. The evidence was overwhelming and it changed everything for those who saw him. And if this was made up, they would never have chosen women to be the first people to witness this. You see, women were not deemed reliable or acceptable witnesses in that culture. So why does Luke include it? Well, it's because he was recording what happened. The resurrection is the hinge on which Christianity rests. If it's true, it's game on. If it's not, it's game over. That's not my words or my thinking, but Paul, someone who became a follower of Jesus after the resurrection, Paul writes this. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we said that God raised Christ from the grave. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. The whole of the Christian faith hinges on this event. And so if you're watching this under duress because a family member has made you watch, okay, and you want to show that faith is rubbish, just disprove the resurrection. Because if you can, faith in Jesus is proved to be useless. A man called Lee Strobel, who was a US journalist and lawyer, did just that. His wife had become a Christian and he wanted to prove that she was wrong. So as a lawyer, he researched and he looked at the evidence. And to his horror, he came to the conclusion that it was true. This is what he says. I think fundamentally the question of whether or not Christianity makes sense, whether it withstands scrutiny, whether the evidence supports it or hurts it, it always comes down to the resurrection. You see, evidence, the evidence is overwhelming, but it still requires faith. And this series isn't entitled, This Changed Everything, but this changes everything. It's present tense. Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus is still changing everything for people 2,000 years on.
An American evangelist, you might have heard of him, his name is Billy Graham. He died two years ago, age 99. And he spoke about his death a few years before, without any fear and with such confidence. He said, someday you will read that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. <laughs> I will have gone into the presence of God. You see, the resurrection of Jesus tells us that this life is not just it. There is more to come, life beyond the grave. And so we no longer need to fear death. Why? Because someone has gone before Last August, I was able to visit the Holy Land uh, with a group of people from Suffolk. And on the trip, I met David and Sue Gillard. And over a meal one evening, we got talking and David shared a bit of his story. Now, David hadn't grown up going to church or with any kind of faith. His wife, Sue, had become a Christian early in their married life, but he avoided church as much as possible. She went to church, he went to the pub. <laughs> and but four or five years ago, David developed this huge fear of dying. It seemed irrational, but he couldn't shake it. It was on his mind all the time. And some of his good friends had died at his age or younger. And so he started to attend a men's event at Sue's church. And one Friday evening, the speaker spoke about having a fear of dying. And he said it was as if the speaker was speaking into my situation. And he spoke to one of the church leaders later that week, a man called Victor Jack. And he asked Victor if he feared death. And Victor smiled and said, not at all. But he did say that he was only worried about how he might die. But Victor spoke to him about how Jesus had beaten death by rising again. And so we no longer need to fear, but we just need to trust him. And a few weeks later, at a place called Sizewell Hall, David sobbed his heart out as he prayed a prayer and committed his life to God. The fear of death was gone and his life has changed. And as he told me his story with passion, I could see the freedom and the change in his life. It was so good. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And if the resurrection is true, then so is God's offer of forgiveness to you and me and his offer of closeness with God, of peace amidst the crisis, life beyond this life. In fact, we've even sung about it today. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you, you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You know what? I believe it's true. It's a game changer. It changes everything. So I just want, for those of you who disbelieve, I want to encourage you to explore, to look at the evidence, just as Lee Strobel did. And for those of you who perhaps believed once but have walked away from faith, do you know what? It's almost certain that you didn't quit because of stopping believing in the resurrection. It's likely that you'd have been hurt by church or you'd have faced hard times or headed towards a more appealing lifestyle to you. Listen, church or happy times should not be the foundation of our faith. Come back to Jesus on the basis of the resurrection, that it's true and that he welcomes you back. And for those of you who do believe, don't base your faith on, on the Bible because we have the Bible because of the resurrection, not the other way around. Don't base your faith on church or even on experience. Make sure that your faith is built on the truth of the resurrection of Jesus.
And for those of you who want what Jesus offers, maybe you've been searching. Well, it starts with coming to Jesus, who made a choice with you in mind when he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. It requires allowing light into our darkness, acknowledging our wrongdoing and asking for forgiveness. Being based on what Jesus has achieved on the cross for you and me. And it involves receiving new life. Life with Jesus that starts now and goes on beyond death. And if that's you, then why don't you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, thank you that you love me. That you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you rose again, beating death and giving me hope not only for this life, but for the life to come. I'm sorry that I've tried to live my life without you. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. Please, would you forgive me? And I now turn from everything that I know is wrong, and I choose to follow you. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. In Jesus' name. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find the next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.